Now here is the great, great secret of effectual prayer. Listen carefully. The prayer that gets to heaven starts in heaven. I believe God wants to shake this old country one more time with heaven-sent revival. That's what God wants to do. There also has to be the other side of the coin, our responsibility to share that life-changing message with those around us. There's something in the nature of God that wants His love to be shared with other people. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast exploring the ins and outs of church revitalization with your hosts, Matt Hensley and Kyle Behrman. This podcast is sponsored in part by the Christian Standard Bible. We encourage you to check out the CSB after the show to learn about a translation that is both readable and accurate at csbible.com. Panic! Oh. Matt, have you, have you stocked up on all your toilet paper and paper towels and water? No. Well, why not? Uh... Because we live in the mountains. I oh. mean, that stuff grows on trees out here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, we actually recorded this thing yesterday. Yes, we did. Um, around this time, I think. Yes. We had a then, perfectly good episode. <laughs> like, I think it's okay to say this as pastors all hell broke loose. Yes, um, that, that is accurate. Like, sincerely. Uh, the, and, the last uh, 24 hours have been something, man. Yeah, because when when we recorded, at that point, we were kind of just postulating what could happen in New Mexico because nothing was happening. And like the moment we were closing our computers came the announcement that we had our first uh, three cases uh, in New Mexico spread out kind of Northern New Mexico. And then now I guess that's five. Yes. Um, But that, that was after we had kind of said, you know, there's nothing in New Mexico yet pastors, but if you do like this, so it's kind of already out of date. And I feel like the moment we wrap this thing up, it's probably going to be out of date too. But as of right now, I mean, just just in the time that we recorded yesterday, we now have the NHL, NCAA, NBA, MLB, NASCAR, or I think that's NASCAR. They've all suspended <laughs> operations, and and of course, really only one of those really bothers me. Yes, um, and the, the baseball uh, canceled the rest of spring training, and they suspended the start of the regular season by two weeks. Like I wasn't really serious about this thing until that happened. Yes. And yes. I'm like, what am I going to do for the entire summer? Well, and and then, then last night it was announced that Tom Hanks and his wife have it. Yes. So th- this is getting real. And I posted this earlier too, but we need to, we need to um, quarantine Willie Nelson and Betty White ASAP. Like as soon yeah. as possible. Get those people out of public. Very true. We, we yes. got to preserve but, them. Uh, but, but in the last couple of days, we've all seen that schools, colleges, seminaries have uh, closed their doors. Uh, conferences and concerts have been... Uh, canceled uh, left and right. Uh, Many states, local governments have issued orders banning large gatherings, and this might be a surprise to you, but this was about to be another outdated message because we had talked about the conference coming up, and I just got word that that has been canceled too. Our uh, church revitalization conference at the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary as of 1.59 p.m., (laughs) Mountain time is canceling due to COVID nineteen, and that's funny because we were just talking about that right before we came on air about about whether or not that was still going to happen. 
So, yep. Wow. And uh, so late who knows? breaking news here, folks. Late breaking. You heard it here first, though. This will anyway. It's going to come out. A, we we might need to just push this out so at least it has like thirty minutes of credibility. Yes, we're we're gonna we're gonna drop it early. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, by the time we sign off, more news is going to make this outdated. But our goal on this episode is not to add to the noise. Um, even though we have Kyle on this episode, but we want to roll with a word of kind of sense among the senselessness that we see right now. Try to wade through some of the fear and the panic that we're all swimming in on social media with a way forward on this episode. And Kyle, you attempted to do that uh, with an article and I need to give you credit because normally I like to just kind of check your work. (laughs) <laughs> when you put something on Nam and I put it in the Grammarly and kind of see what comes up, yeah, and it it, it got a ninety-seven. Well, thank you. That, that is so an A well, plus. Well done. I and, mean, and that is with the that's just with the free version. I'm sure the the uh, premium version would have um, found some things, but no, but the, that the free is version the, did pretty. I have the premium. Oh, I have the oh, premium. okay, you did good. Ninety-seven, A plus. I give you, I give you an A plus. Uh, not just an A for effort, but also a very biblically sound uh, kind of path for pastors to yeah. trod over these next couple of days amid some of some of this panic. And so just kind of talk to us a little bit about what you wrote, why you wrote it, what's going on, and, you know, the exact opposite of the way you started. This right. <laughs> yes. So. Yes. So th- there is, um, obviously in our culture right now, there is a lot of panic and uncertainty. Um, you know, if you're, so if you've been following social media at all, folks are talking about, um, you know, grocery stores being out of toilet paper and paper towels and, and soap and hand sanitizer and, and all those things. And, and th- there is certainly uh, some uncertainty. And, and, and I think we would all agree there is some cause for concern. Um, but as, as I wrote in, in the article, um, the, the Christian worldview really doesn't give room for panic because the world is not our home, right? So our our hope is not in our government leaders. It's it's not as much as this pains me to say, it's not in our sports teams, even though I'm having a hard time knowing that the the start of the MLB season has been postponed (laughs) by by two weeks, Um, right? It's it's not even in our good health and it's not in the stock market. That's not where our hope is. Our our hope is in Christ Jesus, this, this man from Galilee who defeated sin and death once for all when he stepped out of a borrowed tomb nearly 2,000 years ago. And I think what we're seeing right now is, is just the fact that even those of us who are church leaders who know these truths, we need to be reminded of them ourselves. We need to communicate them to our congregation because we have people in our, in our churches, we have people in our communities who are legitimately worried right now about what the future holds. Um, and, and so there is cause for concern and we'll talk a little bit about, um, uh, you know, some precautions and, and steps forward that we, we need to take as church leaders, but, but, but as a spiritual leader in, in your community, people are going to be looking to you as a pastor, your church members are going to be looking to you and, and we need to, um, not, not shrug this off, right. Not, not just blow it off as something that doesn't matter. Um, but bring a sense of calm and, and bring a sense of faith and trust in the middle of the chaos and, and, and let our folks know, remind them, listen, even if we all contract this thing and we all die, for, for those of us who are followers of Christ, 
we're going to be okay. That, that this world is not our home. Our hope does not lie here. Um, and, and I just think that's really important. I think uh, I'm seeing, seeing some folks that are doing this really well out there and I'm, I'm seeing some folks that are doing this really poorly uh, yeah. from, you know, government leaders to civic leaders to uh, some pastors that, that on, on all sides of this, right? There are some that are doing this really well and some that are just not. And, and so don't, don't be one of those guys, right? Yeah. Project a sense of calm and a sense of faith and trust in the Lord, even in the, the middle of the chaos. Yeah, because one of the best things we do as, as pastors or, or should do uh, on, on any given Sunday, for example, in our worship gatherings is not just going around visiting and shaking hands, which right now we do right. not officially no. promote. Don't, don't uh, hug, don't shake hands. Do, do the <laughs> holy, Suspend like, all holy kisses. <laughs> yeah, no holy kisses, no handshakes. Maybe do the little foot dab that I've been seeing going around. Yeah, uh, but but while it is important to catch up with your members and the visitors before the services, not being aloof, all of that kind of stuff, that's important. But aside from preaching the gospel, one of the best things a pastor can do in worship is to worship. Yeah, uh, it's it's not the time to look over your notes. And I used to be that guy because, like, the most important thing were those 30 minutes that I was about to just preach the gospel. And, yeah. uh, and so that's, that's what we were singing to prepare for. And that's all that mattered. All eyes were going to be on, on me and I had to preach that gospel. Right. So I'm looking over my notes and all that kind of stuff. And uh, God really humbled me uh, over that uh, over the last few years of pastoral mm-hmm. ministry. Really it started as a youth pastor uh, where, man, you got to know your stuff before you, get there. Even as a Bible guy, read over it, have it simple enough that you're going to be able to stop for a moment at 11 o'clock, 1030, 1055, whatever time it is that you guys worship and you sing your ever loving heart out. You pray fervently, you give sacrificially, you set that tone for your people through passionate worship of our savior. And for lack of a better word, I mean, that's one of the best things that a pastor can do for his people is, is really to be a model Christian. And, you know, along the vein of Paul saying, follow me as I follow Christ. No, we're not perfect. He wasn't perfect. But as the pastor entrusted to shepherd these folks, we should be able to set the course, the pattern for life in this crazy world. And it was already crazy before the coronavirus, but now it's like extra, extra, extra crazy. Uh, And, uh, and this is a great opportunity for us, be it coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever, it's spread from continent to continent, state to state, and it has our world shook. Yep. And if you look at, like, we've got a Cloudcroft community page, and you read some of the, the posts in there, and there's a few that are, it, it kind of bounces between y'all are overreacting to the world is falling. Like, those are, that's kind of the driving theme in there. And uh, I've just taken some opportunities just to throw some scriptures in there occasionally. Now it sometimes gets a lot of pushback because it's, you know, 2000 people ranging from very few Christians to a lot of atheists yeah. and everything else. So sometimes it's, it's risky, but just a reminder that those that are on there, Hey, we are to not be anxious about anything, but in right. prayer and petition present our request to God, da, 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 da. you know, we know, we know these things, but sometimes when all we're watching is CNN, who says that Trump is doing a terrible job, (laughs) Fox News, which says Trump is doing an amazing job, or any other thing that we're watching on TV or watching on social media, 
the world really is falling right now. Mm -hmm. That's what it looks like. And uh, so it has our world shook. And so this is our chance, you know, and, and what's the line from Hamilton? I'm not going to waste my shot. This, this is our time to show the good news amid a sea of bad news. And that's really when our good news shines the brightest is when it is the darkest. And that's the season in which we, we live. Kyle, do you have any thoughts there? Yeah. I, (laughs) you you mentioned Hamilton and and I was thinking, um, you don't want to be in the room where it happens. The room (laughs) where it happens. (laughs) Yeah. uh, yeah, no. Sorry, no. Sorry. Yeah, you mentioned. Thank you for ruining my point. So, yeah. <laughs> no, you, you're right. This is a this is a shot for us to uh, to provide steady leadership. Um, and, and actually, as I shared in that article, I mean, in we're we're dealing with large scale. What I think a lot of re, replant pastors deal with on a small scale in their yeah. congregations, right? Where you have folks yeah. that are worried about the future of their church. Maybe sometimes they even panic over. You know, is is my church going to close, or or maybe even worse, is it going to change beyond recognition? Um, and and so you know, we want to be we want to provide steady leadership in in those situations as well. And this this does, man, this gives us an opportunity to declare our hope to the watching world. Um, give me just give me just a second, Kyle. Yep. Hey, Doctor Matt Queen, how are you doing? <laughs> and just before you say anything, you are live on not another Baptist podcast yes, you are. calling in the middle of us recording about <laughs> what is going on with the coronavirus. We've already shared about the, oh, he hung up on me. Oh, oh my no. goodness. He's dead to me. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're keeping that in the show. We're, we're going to keep that Queen, in the show of Matt Queen calling in, in live. Because you just hung up on Matt Hensley. <laughs> and that is not nice, sir. <laughs> I, I have made songs about <laughs> this chair is on fire and now my heart is broken <laughs> I believe you would do that to me but uh, uh we won't have his insights i guess on this one and uh so uh thanks matt uh i can't wait till you hear this but, but yeah so so for for sure and and yes i mentioned on earlier a lot of this is the fear of the the unknown but this isn't new if that makes sense there have been pandemics before, epidemics before, and so forth over the years, and churches have responded in a variety of ways. Um, Back in the day, there were Puritan ministers that would stay behind to care for the sick and the dying during the Great Plague of London in 1665. Uh, Like, we can chart the course for these things and show how this is a great opportunity to truly love your brother and sister, to love your neighbor. And uh, and, and we we found a little thing on uh, the Spurgeon Center about Charles Spurgeon. So, so this is now in 1854. And I think we can say that if a lot changed in like an hour after we recorded this yesterday, <laughs> a lot has changed in medical advancements and all of that kind of stuff since 1854. Just a bit. Into the, just a just little a bit. bit. I mean, before it's like you got a toothache and you were definitely going to die. Like, yep. you know, there, there was not the medical advancements that we have uh, now. Uh, But during the uh, cholera outbreak of 1854, uh, Spurgeon responded, I think, in a great way for us to consider here in 2020 during the coronavirus outbreak. And the first is he prioritized local ministry. He cared about his people. This was a guy 
Uh, Spurgeon obviously was well known. He was speaking around the uh, the globe and and or at least around the country and so forth. And during the academic of cholera, uh, he had a lot of speaking engagements, but he canceled those. Not so much that he wouldn't get sick, uh, but that he would stay back in London and visit the sick and the dying. He felt, and and I quote from this article, that it was my duty to be on the spot in such a time of disease and death and sorrow. And uh, and so this that's the first thing that we need yeah. to remember. And, and we kind of had that opportunity, I guess, forced on us with the conference yeah. shutdown. Yeah, we are right. spreading the globe with our message. And, and now we have now, out of the humility in our heart, accepted that they have canceled this opportunity for us to speak. Yeah. And uh, But that does give us a chance to, to stay behind and care for and, and to guide our people in their time of need. What's number two? Yeah, so number two is adjust as needed, but continue meeting if possible. Um, now this, we know, this, yeah. So we've got people that are tuning in that have already canceled services. Right. And that's fine. We have people that have not canceled service, and that's fine. Uh, we have church autonomy, and uh, and we certainly uh, are hoping that all pastors are seeking wisdom and not acting foolishly, but out of faith and trusting in God and, and being wise in the decisions that we are making. So we will never say you should not do this, that, or the other, other than you better be preaching the gospel. So that's right. It's about is all, you know, the, the only close handed thing we're going to make. Right. Us. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think along with that, you know, you, as you said, you want to exercise wisdom in your context. Um, you know, so, so right now in New Mexico, um, gatherings over 100 um, have been, um, um, have been discouraged, right? And so yes, we're having, we're having this conversation. Replanting pastors rejoice right. everywhere because we yeah. are the only ones that get to meet all of these big churches. Their AC <laughs> numbers are going to go down, but yes. maybe we are still going to ride. <laughs> well, no. and, and again, I mean, I think a big part of that is, you know, when, when state leaders issue something for the whole state, I mean, that, that's certainly something they consider, but I think, I, I think more so you, you need to be in touch with your local leaders, right? And so that's one thing I'm going to do over the next day or so is, is just reach out to our local leaders and find out what they advise. Um, I've already gotten some, uh, some contacts uh, from some events that are happening here locally this, this weekend that, that are being suspended. Um, and, and, you know, then also this might force you to get creative in, in how to do things. You know, yeah. I was actually talking with somebody this morning. I said, well, you know, if push comes to shove, we, we have like a covered um, kind of a covered area out at our, on our playground. I was like, we could always move some chairs out here. We could worship outside. It's warming up down here now. It's it's warm enough. We could we could do that. Um, that may be something that we move to in in coming weeks. Um, yeah, that that might be something we just do on a regular Sunday anyway because it's gorgeous. <laughs> but it kind of reminds me of you know back with nine eleven and other major issues like this that when when people are kind of faced with the reality that life is short. Yeah. You know, we, we tend to, you know, especially as kids, you know, and, and we're kind of now at that age that we've had enough friends our age or younger that have passed away and we've done enough funerals and so forth of people our age that we know that uh, this, you know, we, we're not promised tomorrow, but yeah, there's, right. there's like that kind of window of time where, especially as a kid, you know, when I was 16, I'm driving a hundred miles per hour down carrier parkway in Grand Prairie, um, because I was invincible. And so we now have a, a nation, and certainly each of our communities, Alamogordo, 
Mayhill, Cloudcroft, and so forth in our case, that they are faced with this reality that there, there is this disease out there and, uh, and it could make me very sick. And, and this is a, a chance to remind our, our people, especially that are worried in those circumstances uh, of the gospel. And, uh, and, and what Spurgeon said there was if there was ever a time when the mind is sensitive, it is when death is around. I recollect when I first came to London, how anxiously people listened to the gospel for the cholera was raging terribly. There was little scoffing then. And, uh, so, so we're able to offer hope in hopeless times and, uh, in peace in a time of panic. And, uh, and so, so yes, Spurgeon still gathered. Uh, in his church at, uh, during the cholera outbreak, his area was not actually quarantined, um, though it was around. Um, in, in our case, there may come the time that we have to decide because our governor or local officials have demanded uh, that we cannot meet, that everybody yeah. is quarantined in their own houses. That's when perhaps there are other ways that, that we want to consider or already consider, be it live streaming house churches, things of, of that nature. Because one of the things that we can do uh, during this, this entire time is, uh, is really just present that feeling of calm, even if we're yeah. a bit worried, but feeling of uh, a sense of calmness that this we are prepared for. So Mayhill, what we have done is we have shared that we have been deep cleaning the sanctuary, kids areas, Sunday schools, bathrooms, doorknobs, doors, everything that's touched or anywhere remotely near people uh, are being deep cleaned. Uh, the second prong of our approach is that we ask people that are sick to stay home. Um, that should be obvious. Uh, you know, it's usually more obvious with kids. You know, if your kid's throwing up or has a fever, you're not allowed to come to daycare or the school, yet sometimes we still bring them to church. Um, haven't quite figured that out, but I get it. Um, that if you're sick, you need to stay. Um, if you're coming, you need to be washing your hands. Like that should go without saying, <laughs> like yeah. we should have been doing this this whole time, but yet here we are. Wash your hands, grab your Bible and come to church. Yep. If, if you're able and you're feeling well. Now, if you're worried and you're not going to be able to, to worship freely because of that worry. Now there's, there's some things we should address with that. But the last thing you need to probably do is to, to, to like force it, you know, and, yeah. and it is time to just stop back and just pray, reach out to your pastor and, uh, and get some of his wisdom and, and have him pray with you, things like that. But, but we don't need to be actively flippant about it. We also don't need to overreact. And so what we've done is we're deep cleaning. We continue to deep clean before, after everything. Yeah. Um, we're asking people to wash their hands. Those that can't come, uh, we're sending out the links, of course, to the sermons, and we're going to be videoing our sermons if, if at any moment uh, we're told we can no longer uh, meet. And so those are kind of the three main focuses for, for our folks. Yeah. Uh, what about Alamogordo? Yeah, it's similar. Um, you know, we've, we've sent out an email saying, you know, right now at this point, we have no, we have no plans of canceling service. Um, if you don't feel well, stay home. Um, you know, and same thing, wash your hands, you know, don't touch your face. Um, you know, just, just those kind of basic precautions. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, and like you said, it basically boils down to use, use common sense, you know, if, and so I, I think one of the things I put in the email is, you know, if you or your child 
um, has, has run over like a, a 100 temperature or 100 fever um, in the last 24 hours, don't show up. Just, just, let's just not risk it. Um, you know, we, we know this time of year, there's a lot of stuff going around. Um, but obviously, I mean, if somebody comes in and they're sniffling or, or coughing, that there are going to be some extra raised eyebrows right now. Um, yeah. So you know, we, we saw somebody post, we saw a pastor post that he was traveling and uh, like, I think he got like swallowed some water wrong or something like that. And he coughed and all of a sudden, like all the heads turned and looked at him. <laughs> no, yes. Nobody wanted to be around him after that. Yeah. So, so one of the things we talked about in, in what we recorded yesterday uh, was that last Sunday between DST and coronavirus, we were down, yeah. down, down. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for, for us, it was down, it was still good attendance, solid attendance for the winter for us. Right. Uh, but it was kind of rainy, all that there, it was a recipe for, for a low attendance Sunday. And I was just kind of down and I posted about it. And, uh, one guy had replied, uh, that said, as he got, uh, started preaching that he had, he had kind of swallowed something wrong, maybe yes. his, uh, cough drop or something. And he was coughing for like the first six minutes of his sermon. <laughs> You know, like the whole congregation is like, unclean, unclean, <laughs> like, we will kill you, uh, you know, and so, but yeah, we, and so take, take some time to, to pray through it. And we'll, we'll share some of this at the very end. I want to keep going about some of the things about Spurgeon because yep. uh, the third thing that he did, uh, which may be counter uh, intuitive for a number of us, because we tend to be a little selfish and, uh, and kind of, Self-care uh, seems to kind of rule the day. Uh, but his third thing is he visited the sick. Yep. And uh, so he said, in, in the year 1854, when I had scarcely been in London 12 months, the neighborhood in which I labored was visited by cholera, and my congregation suffered from its inroads. Family after family summoned me to the bedside of Smitten, and almost every day I was called to visit the grave. Mm -hmm. Now, Within 12 months, within his first year, yeah, I think we can all agree now that Spurgeon had the worst first year of any right. of us. Well, and, and, and keep in mind, he was a young man. I mean, I believe he was still in his 20s when, when he went here, right, when, when, he, when he went to London. So, I mean, he's a young pastor, and in the first year, this is, this is what he's faced with. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's rough. <laughs> yep. but, but so he's praying with them. Uh, he's pointing them to the hope of the gospel, um, but but more than just bringing gospel content, it was his presence uh, that was communicating something of God's comfort to his people. You know, and that, that kind of goes back to when we counsel somebody that's grieving. We don't have to have the great words. Like, they, they really aren't so much wanting you to say something. They want you to listen and be there. Um, us as husbands, sometimes we have been there with our wives where they are talking and, and we're ready to fix it, you know? And, uh, so we start to talk really before we, we should, when really our presence and listening and empathizing yeah. is what we really need. And so that's what he was bringing, uh, to, to those folks. And, uh, and then the other was to be open to new evangelistic opportunities. Yeah. And, uh, so all day, sometimes all night long, he went from house to house and saw men and women dying and oh, how glad they were to see my face mm -hmm. when many were afraid to enter their houses, lest they would catch the deadly disease. We who had no fear about such things found ourselves most gladly listened to when we spoke of Christ and of things divine. Yeah. That, that moved me when I when I read it, I don't yeah. think they're going to be as glad to see my face. Um, 
though, though Spurgeon was a good looking guy. So, so maybe we have that in common. Although you did get rid of your, um, you know, disease carrying beard. So that's that. You, you I need to look at, at the time. time. I need to look at the time though, because there was there was that time where he did not have a beard, and oh. and thankfully the beard made him a much better looking man. Because yeah. before that dude looked like an alien, uh, <laughs> but uh, but that beard helped a lot, much like yeah. my myself. Uh, <laughs> but here's another one. On one occasion at three in the morning, Spurgeon was summoned to visit a dying man, and this man was not a Christian. Uh, but had been somebody that had opposed him during his his ministry. Mm-hmm. He said, this man in his lifetime had been wont to jeer at me. In strong language, he had often denounced me as a hypocrite. Yet he was no sooner smitten by the darts of death than he sought my presence and counsel, no doubt feeling in his heart that I was a servant of God, though he did not care to own it with his lips. Wow. You know, death and, and the reality of uncertainty has a way of kind of opening some hearts uh, that were previously kind of turned against God and his people and his word and so forth to give some consideration to it. And uh, what's the last one? Yeah, the last one is entrust your life to God, Um, which kind of as we've already talked about, right? Remember that, that our, uh, that our hope is not in, um, in this world. Our hope is in Christ. Um, And, and Spurgeon shares he said at first i gave myself up with youthful ardor to the visitation of the sick and was sent for from all corners of the district by persons of all ranks and religions but soon i became very weary in body and sick in heart my friends seemed falling one by one and i felt or fancied that i was sickening like those around me a little more work and weeping would have laid me low among the rest i felt that my burden was heavier than i could bear and i was ready to sink under it right so i mean there there he was uh, he was starting to feel the weight of it as well. He goes on and he says, I was returning mournfully home from a funeral when as God would have it, my curiosity led me to read a paper which was wafered up in a shoemaker's window in the great Dover Road. It did not look like a trade announcement, nor was it, for it bore in a good, bold handwriting these words, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation, there shall be no evil, there, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Yeah. And he just, he shared how that lifted his spirit, right? As he was beginning to despair because of what he was experiencing because of friends that, and, and those close to him that he had lost and beginning himself to feel ill right at the, at, at the right time, these, these words lifted his spirit. And, yeah. and that is, you know, entrusting our life to God, remembering that no matter what happens uh, as followers of Christ, our, our future is secure in him and, and we yeah. can rest in that. And that, that should free us to, to love and serve others, right? Taking yep. precautions, not, not yep. recklessly, but, yep. but um, with confidence, knowing that, that our lives are in his hands. Yeah, and, and how this article concluded was how his example during this cholera outbreak, and then another one actually uh, later, uh, that pastors are to be present with their people, lead in the gatherings of the church, care for those who are suffering, be faithful in evangelism, and continue trusting in God through it all. That's what we should be doing yeah. Monday through Sunday, 365, or this year you get an extra day to do it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but 366 days a year. But the main difference, though, is that during one of these these outbreaks, whether, you know, depending upon who you listen to, if you listen to to doctors uh, who, who maybe play down some of the concerns or you listen to the pundits who play up, 
what, whatever it is, uh, what our people are hearing most um, is ultimately there's a heightened reality of death. And, uh, and so there's a fin finality to that and an opportunity and openness at times for the gospel. And so we need to stick to the core of our ministry, and that's to preach the gospel and to reach the lost. And uh, so a couple of years later, 1866, he was no longer green under the belt or whatever you say, amid another outbreak. Spurgeon gave this, which will be our uh, serve as our clothes. Uh, and now again is the minister's time. And now is the time for all of you who love souls. You may see men more alarmed than they are already. And if they should be, mind that you avail yourselves of the opportunity of doing them good. You have the balm of Gilead. When their wounds smart, pour it in. Hmm. You know of him who died to save. Tell them of him. Lift high the cross before their eyes. Tell them that God became man, that man might be lifted to God. Tell them that of Calvary in its groans and cries and sweat of blood. Tell them of Jesus hanging on the cross to save sinners. Tell them that even amid death, even amidst uncertainty, even, you know, if it's 10 years from now where this could still be timely, even if the stock market crashes, whatever it is, there is life for a look at the crucified one. Yeah. And so pastors, those that are listening in, church members, uh, I, I hope you found encouragement. Whatever it is that you decide to, uh, to do, we trust you are leaning on God's wisdom and uh, doing what is best for, for your people. Uh, encourage them to trust in God and look to the crucified one and remember to tell them that he is able to save to the uttermost all of them that come unto God by him. Tell them that he is able to save even at the 11th hour and to say to the dying thief, thou shalt be with me in paradise. This podcast has been sponsored in part by the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. There are a lot of great things happening on Seminary Hill, and so we encourage you to find out all about them at swibbits.edu after this short clip by Roy Fish. Again, that is swbts.edu. Have a great day, and God bless. People without Jesus are lost. And they're not only lost, but they're in danger of being eternally lost. The fact that people are going to be in hell if they don't somehow come into saving faith.